until I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Within the history and the life and landscape of the Lord's church, doctrine is extremely significant. We're talking about teaching. We're talking about instruction and the ability to create our paradigms of thinking and our paradigms of life itself. My assignment tonight is to be a witness. My assignment is to deliver a good doctrine and a true testimony of Jesus. As you begin to understand the power of doctrine in your life and over your actions and the thoughts you think about your very existence, I believe that your inner man will begin to hunger and your very soul will begin to cry out to the Lord, Lord, give us good doctrine. All right. Beginning in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, we're going to think upon the subject, the word, the water, and the wind. A blueprint for boldness. The word, the water, and the wind. The 11th chapter of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to begin reading at the first verse. We can actually read this together. Let's read together down to verse number four. And then we'll pull a few additional verses after that. But if we all can do it together, let's read together. Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter, verses 1 through 4. All right, let us read. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven, and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Now, if you would listen. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. This is an interesting text. I think that Ecclesiastes is an interesting book in itself to understand the perspective that it's written from, that of a wise man who is living at a time before Messiah before a hope after death he's living in a time where his wisdom is in some ways limited and bound 
to the finality of life as he understands it. Because before Jesus, there is no hope after the grave. And Solomon is living in that era. But he says here, cast your bread upon the waters. After many days, you'll find it. This is imagery. He's not really talking about literal bread per se, but your resource. Even as much as your energy, cast it, and you'll find it. You'll get it back after some time. He goes into the same principles talking about sowing. Sow your seed in the morning. In the evening, withhold not your hand, meaning also sow. Extend your hand. Extend yourself morning, evening, because you don't know whether your seeds in the morning will prosper or your seeds in the evening will prosper. He says, we move back up to verse number four. He that observes the wind, and this uh, building from verse number three, he's really talking about sort of weather conditions, almost what uh, a forecaster would. Look at the weather, plan the day accordingly. Look at what the, the, the environment of the nature and plan what you're going to do according to what you see. He says, the person that observes the wind, that is that focuses on what they're seeing in the wind patterns. And the one that regards the cloud shall not sow or reap. He's sort of getting at this point. If you spend too much time Trying to figure out what is the best time, conditions to engage and to sow, you never sow. You will paralyze yourself trying to figure out something you can't control. Something that is the work of God. That's what he's getting at. Saying, the one that observes the wind shall not sow. Imagine now, the wind is something invisible. Only see the wind by looking at the things that the wind affects. The wind is blowing, the tree moves, you in a, in a sense see the wind. But you can't really see the wind. So somebody that's observing the wind is focusing on something that is invisible. It's beyond your ability to really discern what you're looking at. But you're looking at it. You look this way, wind coming this way. You're looking at something you don't have the capacity to capture. Sometimes we are paralyzed from engaging with trying to figure out the best time. As soon as I get all my ducks in the road, all my dollars, and as soon as I get all my, that's what I'm going to. That's what I'm going to activate myself. And the Lord, or the Bible says here, that person will never stop. He never will. The one that observes the wind, the man that regards the clouds, shall never sow. And as you never sow, you will never, you never reap. Then he says, 
in verse number five. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit. Keep that phrase in mind. The way of the Spirit. That word way is a Hebrew word that really means the, the room. Like it, it, it's the path. As you don't know how the Spirit moves and why the Spirit moves. And the Spirit, that word is also a word. It is the word ruach. That is also translated wind. Just as you don't know how the wind, the path, the way of the wind. And you don't know how the bones grow inside of the woman that is with child. We, we, don't, know, we don't know what's going on in there. You have no idea. And now we have these. We have these. Ultrasound now, you get a, a, a picture of a baby after a certain time. But that's a picture in a moment. After that picture is taken, we don't know what's going on in there. We have no idea. What, we, we don't know anything. After nine months, ten months, comes out of human being. How do we get there? You have no idea. There are certain things you have no idea how it happens. It is, the Bible says, the works of God. There are some things that you don't know how it's going to turn out, how it's going to feel. You have no idea. And if you keep thinking about it, you'll never engage. You will never move. Because you're trying to discern something that was never appointed for your knowledge. It is God's own works. You have no idea. Just the way that you don't know the way of the Spirit, you don't know how the bones come together and grow, even so, thou knowest not the works of God, which maketh all, who maketh all. And so what Solomon is saying here, the, the, the sentiment of this is sort of this Spirit of just go for it. There's something in your spirit. God said, put something in your spirit. If you keep looking at the wind, the man counts, it'll never do. You'll never do. There's certain things just give up. It's a baby inside the room. You will never understand it. You're never going to be able to figure out. Just cast your brain. You'll get that. So. In the morning, so. In the evening, so. It's a certain boldness. Now, as you look at this, this some of the verses, I don't want to really read them, but he starts to talk about like the days of your youth of living to the desires of your heart. And then he says, but God will call the judgment what you do. So put away put away sorrow from your heart and evil from your flesh. In other words, be disciplined. Don't be sinful. And disciplined. Don't be reckless. It's not about recklessness, but it is about boldness. Understand the difference. 
It is not about being righteous, but it is about courage. You cannot sit here trying to figure out how it's going to feel when you jump. You just got Stop. The Lord, I heard it. He played it too safe. Not about recklessness, but you played it too safe. You're putting too much doubt in yourself. You're putting too much doubt in your resources. You don't really recognize what you have. And you're underplaying your ability. You're looking at the winds. It's going to be right tomorrow. Cash your bread. Go for it. That's where we're going to begin the lesson tonight. Lord, there's some things that I've put in the saints' hearts. I have put them in their hearts. And they're playing too safe. Now, let's see this in a little bit of a greater context, with a little bit more depth. We're going to go to John chapter number one. And as we're transitioning, let's take some time to define these terms as we speak. Um, just as we saw in Ecclesiastes, in the scripture, there are always used symbols. Symbols are used. Bread is not necessarily literal bread. It's used as a symbol for what you have and your, 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 your resource and your, um, what you possess. We are going to be dealing with some symbols tonight. First of which, a little bit more literal, is the word. This is going back to the theme of our lesson tonight. Secondly is the water. And thirdly, the wind. We've already sort of seen a little bit of the wind uh, as we relate that to the spirit, the ruach. For definition's sake, the word, which we're going to see in just a moment here in John chapter 1, the word is the genesis and the inspiration of the meaning of all made things. The genesis, that means the beginning, the, the alpha, and the inspiration, that which is driving and motivating the meaning of all made things. Let's look at how the, the scripture gives it to us. John chapter 1, verse number 1, let's read together down through verse 4, all right? Let us read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him 
was life, and the life was the light of men. Those of you who have heard me teach before, most likely have heard me deal with this term, the word. It is one of the most important ideas in the scripture. In the beginning, says the word of God, was the word, capital W-O-R-D, the Greek word logos. The Bible says this word was with God and it was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Now here it is, verse 3. All things were made by him. Now, this word is not a, uh, a existent being. The word pronoun him is used to refer to it because of the connection to God himself. But it's not a, uh, a person or a being with a gender. The word is the logos. The logos is a word that means reasoning, logic. You can see it in the word, logic, meaning, purpose, thought, expression. In the beginning, God had a reason. Everybody understand? That was what was with God at his face before him. That word, all things were made by him. What that means is, God is not making things without reason or randomly. All things were made by what was the reason for their making. All things. So the word becomes the genesis, the beginning, and the inspiration for the meaning of all made things. Everything made finds its beginning, its genesis in this word. It's what God was dreaming, thinking, visualizing, desiring. not know why it's created. God does. Because it, the word is with him. But the created world is functioning by the word without knowledge of the word. We're going to see that in a few verses. When he was in the world, the world was made by him. The world The created world did not recognize the very meaning of their own existence. Let's keep going. So, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything that was made. In him, in the word, was life. And the life was the light of men. So there's this life that in this reason, in this uh, thought and, and that which God desired is life for man. And that life is his life, the spark of man. In other words, the reason that you are, 
is the word that sort of like in process. It's like in you. You talk about what happens in the womb. What is guiding that thing, that process in the womb is the word. It's like this, it's like the science. Everybody understand what I'm saying? What makes a bone like this is the word. It's the power of the meaning of all creation. It is what makes a tree grow. The word. It's the science of the word. Jesus. It makes the grass grow. The word. All things were made by the word. It's the processing that's in everything. So it's in you as well. Why am I me? The word. It makes me breathe. It's the science of creation. It's in everything. All things were made by the word. And I'm spending time here because you got to understand this. Because when you understand this is the meaning of it all. Then you will go back and say, well, this is the light of me. This is what I should devote my life to. Let's go to verse 6. Don't forget what I just said. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now, who, where was John sent from? What did the Bible say? John was sent from God. Now we know that John, most of us know, John's mother was a woman named, listen, his father was a man named Zechariah. So we know how he was born. But the Bible says he was sent from God. Now how is he sent from God? He, he's born a natural. John does not have a magic conception. He has no spirit. He is a regular person, just like you and me. But the Bible says he was sent from God. The reason that I want you to get this is because remember what we talked about in Ecclesiastes. If, if you are underplaying yourself, who's your parents? Well, they you know Bob and, 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 and Janice. All right. They didn't have anything special? Nah, not really. more than just the biological output of two people that biologically produce you. You're more than that. And it's very important for you to embrace the reality of that. Because your destiny is to become something greater. God sent this man and he was sent to bear witness of the light 
Verse number 10. He was in the world. That is the word was in the world. And the world was made by him. The word. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own. And his own received him not. His family. His brothers. That the people of his of his uh, genetics and, and ancestral commonality, the Jews, they didn't receive him. Same is true with us. Sometimes your people close to you are your biggest doubters, detractors. They're, they'll be the first one saying, you can't do that, man. Yeah. You can please see what I'm saying. And it's part of the wind that you are keep on trying to figure out the right time to try to get somebody to co-sign in. The Bible said he came unto his own, his own received him not. The world that he was in, that he was the purpose of, did not know him. They did not even recognize him. The people around you had no idea how incredible you are. I believe it wholeheartedly. There are people that I walk past today that have no idea who I am. I'm beyond sort of not saying I know the Bible. I know there's people that don't have an idea what word will come out of my mouth if they ask me. Maybe it's in the middle of that. Okay. That's what you think. But I was sent from. And I am embracing it. It is the only way I'm going to ever become who I'm meant to be. If I don't embrace it, I will prevent myself. I'll never solve it. You understand what I'm saying? I keep processing. Are they ready for me? Are they going to believe in me? So I'm telling you, there's something that's in your spirit. And God's telling you, you're playing too safe. The world did not know him, but as many as received him, that is the word, to them gave he power. That word power is the word exousia. We always we use the word authority, which it does mean, but exousia also means the capacity, the ability to become the son of God. That receiving the word, embracing the meaning. That was God's dream and caused me to be. If I embrace that, I will receive the power to become a son of God. Very important. And this is what John experienced. And that's what we're going to focus on here. And I got to, I got to go. John bear witness of him. And cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now notice what John says. He is both after me and before me. How can he be both after me and before me? This is John beginning to understand he is the word. Not just understanding he is the son. The son of God was born after John. The word was before John. 
John realizes that I am, as I look at Jesus, I am looking at the walking word. That the word, the, 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 the science of creation and of me is now standing before him. And then when John realizes that, he realizes this is the reason I'm alive. And all of his preaching is about him. I must decrease. It's all about him. When I realize that I am looking at the word that made all things, including me, his life becomes devoted to him. It's about him. Him. That's a very interesting guess. I mean, I don't know where his conscience was at that point, but it's right. When he leaped in his mother's womb. Something made him leap. The presence of Jesus made him leap when, when Mary saluted his mother. John the Baptist leaped in his mother's womb. There's this recognition of who he's with, right? And, but, and you're right. It affects your life. And that's what I'm trying to get you to understand. It goes beyond what he did. It is now what you must do with your life. What you must do with your life must be focused on the word. The meaning. What God dreams for the world. Whatever you can contribute to that dream in your life. In whatever you for. Because that's how God put that thing in your heart. What is in your heart is being motivated by the word. What I'm saying is we see it in bodily form in Jesus, but it doesn't just have to be bodily form. That bodily form was because we needed blood and Savior, but it can take the form of your ministry, the Word. It can take the form of your idea, your thought, your gift, the Word. You have to jump. You cannot keep John said, 
as we, I'm going I'm to review this quickly. They, as you move down in the chapter, the, the Levites, the Pharisees, they came to him, the people, the Jews came to him and said, who are you? He said, I'm not the Christ. They said, well, why are you baptized? Now, the mission, the water, we're going to see John introduce the waters. For the purpose of our lesson tonight, when we talk about the waters, the waters are your fruitfulness in ministry. Everyone in here has a ministry. I remember one of my favorite, most legendary messages by our pastor, three prophecies called the ministry of the saints. And I never forget. He talked about how we sort of created this frame. It's, it's only so many people that actually fit in the same location. And we think about this is the only ministry. What happens up here? There's all these other things that the people of God have to do. The missions. Everyone has a mission. And that ministry is tied to the word. And what we're talking about tonight, that ministry is referred to as the washers. The washers. It refers to your fruitfulness in ministry. Your ability to produce and to be fruitful in your work for the Lord. Everyone, what you do for your, on your job, what you do in your ideas, that is your washers. It is the fruitfulness that will come from you and your ministry. And the reason why we refer to it as that is when they ask John, why do you baptize? John said, I John chapter 1 verse 26 and they asked him and said unto him why baptizest thou then if thou be not that Christ nor Elijah neither that prophet why are you doing this where did you get this from you're not a prophet you're not the Christ so why are you baptizing John says God told me to do it that's essentially the answer and sometimes ladies and gentlemen brothers and sisters that's the only answer you will have. Why are you doing this? God put it in my heart. I told you. And you said, well, where's the plan? Where's the business plan? Right? That's not true. God told me to jump without the plan. He did it. 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 He
understanding. He don't tell you what's happening in the womb. That's his. It's reserved for God. He told you, baptize in love. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. It means you, sometimes you got to move at the information of God without knowing exactly what you're doing. <laughs> Glory to God. This, 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 uh, this thing Verse 26, John answered them, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latching I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in, in Bethabara, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. But look at this next phrase. What did he say? And I, I knew him not. John didn't even know. Just listen how he days. He's preaching about somebody. He knows God says coming, but he doesn't know. He has no idea coming. And his whole message. It's about repent. The kingdom is coming. When, John? When? Don't worry about that. We better ask us. Don't, you see what I'm saying? You don't have to know everything to engage. You don't have to know everything. You've got to trust God. John said, I knew him not, but this is what I did know. But that he should be made manifest to Israel, therefore am I come baptizing with water. There it is. His ministry was designed to manifest Jesus to Israel. That's all you need. Your ministry is designed to make Jesus manifest to someone. That's why you have to do this. What is in your heart is going to make Jesus manifest to someone. That is why you have to do it. You might be one. 
Because that Jesus was manifest when he was baptized by John. John's ministry was created a platform for Jesus to be manifest to Israel. Yes. And he was doing it before we ever knew that was all about that. That, that, that was what was going to happen. He was just baptizing by the leading of God without knowing what was going to happen. And then when Jesus comes, he baptizes Jesus. Heaven He sees the Spirit descend on him. God says, the one that's descended, that the Spirit abides on is going to be the one that's going to baptize with the Holy Ghost. He is manifest in John's or through John's ministry. But John, if John was waiting to meet Jesus before I get started, the platform would never have been created. This is what happens after that. After he baptizes Jesus, the people that are following him, his disciples, he turns to them, to the Lord. He says, follow him. So then what happens is, his ministry also becomes the avenue for them to find Jesus. Everybody with me? What God put in your heart, and I keep saying reading hearts, that's what you say. Even if it's reading hearts, it's something in there that's going to manifest him that will allow someone else to become some God. That's why it's in your heart. And that's why you've got to do it. Now, that's the waters. The waters are your ministry and your fruitfulness. And let's look at John chapter 7. To see now how you are going to be fruitful. In John chapter 7, Jesus is, well, he's preparing to go and then ultimately goes up to the feast. It is the Feast of Tabernacles. He goes up in the middle of the feast and the Bible says he goes in secret. He doesn't make himself known, he just goes up there. And they're looking for him, they're talking about him, there's all these conversations about who is he, is he a good man, is he deceiving the people, people are talking about him. So he goes there, and then he says, let's look, uh, let's go directly to, uh, let's just go directly to uh, verse number 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living, here it is, water. Now, really quickly, this scripture, this verse of scripture is so poetic and beautiful. Jesus says, if you thirsty, Come unto me and drink. What he's 
Now remember, He is the Word, the walking Word. If you receive Him, He says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. He's talking about a fountain of resource. And this year, the Lord has given to us to deal with your fear. There's something about having a fountain that's living that will never run dry. What that will like to do, when you get the confidence that even when you fail, you won't fail. Because there's a river in you, there's a fountain in you. I, I, you gotta get the sense. Well, I'm 
you won't have to depend on the bank. You won't have to depend on the investor. It's going to come out of your belly. Remember, I told you, you have to get ready to understand yourself as more than just a biological creation of your two parents. If you just think that of yourself, you will never see yourself become a fountain. Like, you're not just a left on the back man. You got, there's something great. You have a fountain of life that flows from God is God. to take our fear away. Jesus stood and cried, If any man thirst, can you imagine? They have been saying, you know, you're a child of fornication, you were um, a carpenter's son. You see what he says in You got to jump before you see 
or say you played it too safe. Go. Believe in yourself. Now remember now, what you do must be about the word. It must be about that God so loved the world. What God put in your heart is not for just money and fame. That's not what it's got to be attached to the word. To creating sons of God in the world. But if you can embrace the word, activate the waters, the wind will come. That is the blueprint for your boldness. And you will not fail. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you, Lord, for thinking so much of us. I thank you for giving us another chance to turn our eyes upon you in wonder, in awe, in reverence, in worship.